Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. Our reading from the Gospel today is really in two parts. The first part is an interaction Jesus had with a crowd and his disciples. I won't focus too much on this bit today, but when Jesus, however, when Jesus mentions what comes out of the heart, Specifically when he says, for out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander, all those evil things. I think it should give us pause to the, to the dominant cultural mantra of our time, which is follow your heart. You literally see that slogan on t-shirts, notepads, all over the place. And it is usually proclaimed as the highest advice that one can give to another in movies and television shows. Follow your heart. Be true to your heart. Jesus here says something quite different. Something to chew on and think about. Is it, a, is it really a good thing to follow one's heart? I'll leave that right there. What I want to focus on today is rather the second narrative we have. Jesus and his companions traveled north, just outside of Palestine to the areas of Tyre and Sidon. They probably went there to get away from the crowds, to find some time for prayer, contemplation, and rest. However, they were greeted and followed by a Canaanite woman, a non-Jewish lady whose daughter was being tormented by a demon. Now, our narrative has a couple of challenges that we need to look at. First, in the reading, it seems as though Jesus is not interested in helping this woman in need. Do that. That's what it appears. And second, did Jesus call the woman a derogatory term? Did he just call this woman a dog? That doesn't sound like the Jesus we know. What's going on? Let's look at the first obstacle. Did Jesus want to help the woman and her child? When the woman said, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, my daughter is tormented by a demon. The Gospels, the Gospel tells us that Jesus did not answer her at all. And then the disciples wanted her to leave, finding her to be a nuisance. Just, I wish she'd go away. Jesus then shares that he is focused on the people of Israel, saying, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Of course, she persists in asking for mercy for her child in need. Now, one of the things that is going on here is the plan of God. If you will recall, earlier in Jesus' ministry, this is back in Matthew chapter 10, he sends out the disciples, but only to the people of Israel, telling them not to talk to Gentiles. The plan all along was for the Jews to receive the Messiah first, and then the rest of the world. The promise of the Messiah was first to the house of Israel, and then the blessing to all the peoples of the world. You see this same plan laid out in the Great Commission after Jesus dies, after he rises again, but before he ascends, he says, you will be my witnesses first in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So in our narrative, Jesus is working the plan. And the woman, though, is not Jewish. She is Canaanite. And nevertheless, Jesus' compassion and mercy 
break forth to Gentiles throughout the Gospels and on various occasions. And this is one of those encounters. Her persistent cry for mercy caught Jesus' attention. And he put the plan on pause for a moment because of her need. The second obstacle has to do with this word dog. Did Jesus call the woman a derogatory term? Well, the answer may be a bit of a, a yes and no. Often in first century, uh, often first century Jews referred to Gentiles as dogs in the sense that they were unclean. By Jewish law, if a Jew touched a Gentile, they would be unclean. So yes, from our, from our point of view, the term would seem derogatory for sure. However, there seems to be more to the story here than just that. Jesus' response to her request for help was, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. He is once again referring to the plan of God, the children, compared to, to the Gentiles, that the Messiah is first to come to Israel. But this word dog in the Greek is not the normal word that is used for Gentiles which more refers to the roving street dog. The Greek word here refers to a house dog, one that is loved, and usually a puppy. So although playing with the term um, Jews use for Gentiles, it may have been more affectionate than the normal term. And as one commentator put it, from the text, we don't know Jesus' facial expressions or body language when he said it. And her response is even more revealing. She uses her wit and responds, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs or puppies eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She also used the same Greek word referring to a puppy. With this, Jesus is amazed by her faith and grants her cry for mercy. And that is the heart of the story. The compassion and mercy of our Lord. Putting a pause on the plan because there was a person in need. And breaking the cultural barriers because of the woman's daughter. Our God is a God of compassion and mercy. The famous anthropologist Margaret Mead was once asked this question. What was the earliest sign of civilization in any given culture? And the expected answer was a clay pot or perhaps a a fish hook or a grinding stone, some kind of tool. And her answer was a healed femur. The femur, of course, is the leg bone above the knee. And Mead explained that no healed femurs are found where the law of the jungle, the survival of the fittest, reigns. A healed femur shows that someone cared. Someone had to do that injured person's hunting and gathering until the leg healed. The evidence of compassion, she said, is the first sign of civilization. We might suggest that it is also the first sign of the work of Christ in the life of a Christian. To follow Christ is to be a person of mercy and compassion, just as our Lord was and is. Mercy was the cry of our opening line from our psalm today. May God be merciful to us and bless us. And it is what we see in our Lord. Jesus' response is mercy. Jesus' response is compassion. And the proper response for us 
is the same as this Canaanite woman. Have mercy on me, Lord. And we can ask, always ask, the why questions. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? And there are philosophical and theological answers for the why questions of our pain and the evil in this world. But usually, if not most of the time, academic, theological, and philosophical answers do not heal an emotional wound. Bleeding hearts are not resolved in a doctor's conference. They are resolved with care, with mercy, with compassion. And the Lord answers that call of mercy. His response is the incarnation, the cross, and the resurrection. His response is the gift of grace that we receive through faith. His response to pain and evil is his own suffering for the sake of all of us on the cross. And this is the heart of our worship. This is the heart of our liturgy. And we can experience a lot of things when we come to church on a Sunday morning. But I hope one of the main things we hear, one of the main things we sense, one of the main things that we experience as we gather together on Sunday morning is the mercy of God. The prophet Jeremiah cries out, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And this message of mercy is all throughout our liturgy. Our thoughts from the very beginning are directed early in our liturgical worship with the response, Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. And in our confession, we cry out in prayer, have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. And then we hear the words of Absolution, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who of His great mercy hath promised forgiveness of sins to all those who with hearty repentance and true faith turn unto Him. Have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's from here that we soon after enter the sacred words of the Holy Eucharist, and we hear the words of what Christ did in his sacrifice. All glory be to thee, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, for that thou of thy tender mercy didst give thine only Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption. And once again, and we earnestly desire thy fatherly goodness mercifully to accept this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And just before we receive the sacrament, we say together the prayer of humble access. We do not presume to come to this thy table. O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table. Which sounds very similar to our gospel. Thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. And with that, we continue the sacramental remembrance as we receive the body and the Lord.
The whole liturgy follows the persistent cry of mercy along the path of the Canaanite woman. Church, may we be persistent in our asking for mercy. And may we receive his mercy through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as we gather together today. Receive his mercy at the altar in the sacrament of Holy Communion. May our Lord have mercy upon us. And may we have mercy on one another. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.